discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, if you're nerdy to Georgia, with me here today, my fellow companion, my mom. Hey. So, we are continuing our discussion on Doctor Who. Who? Yes, I know. See? <laughs> See, did that go? Did that joke get old really quickly? It didn't actually. I found myself look, like a little Easter egg looking for it every in every episode. Now, did it happen in all the episodes? But just about. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we watched some Doctor Who episodes. Did you get to watch all of them? I watched Ooh. all of them. Excellent. Okay. Um, I think a lot of these episodes, with the exception of maybe the most recent Doctor season eleven, which just came out in two thousand eighteen. Uh huh. Um, I've all got the kind of like their spoiler thing over with at this point. So we can kind of talk a little bit more about what's going on with them. Um, especially when we get to the 12th Doctor, because I'm sure that episode was weird. Wait, wait, okay, so which, the 12th Doctor is which one? So that's the older Doctor. Oh, that episode is is really weird. So I have, so. Kind of like Groundhog's Day on, on, on. On crack. Yeah. Okay. So let's start off with the first one, and the first one we picked, the uh, first one I picked one year was series one, episode one, which was Rose. Okay, well, can we can we talk globally for a moment? Sure. Okay. So, um, it was mentioned to me that that the whole series started in the in the sixties and seventies, seventies in nineteen sixty three. Okay, sixty three, um, as a children's. Uh, TV show. TV show. Yeah, kind of and, aimed and, in that direction. And I kind of, I kind of get that. Mm-hmm. So, so what was interesting to me was um, a lot of the visuals are very sort of iconically dated. Yeah, um, sort of very much sort of sort of lost. I don't know if you've ever seen Lost. Will Robinson, Danger um, Will Robinson. Danger I, I remember Robinson. the okay. remake that they did in the nineties, okay. and I'm only aware of Lost in Space. Sometimes tangentially. We, okay, so 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 sometimes when you get some of the the robotic things and the the machine things, they they seem um, intentionally not real modern, um, dated and and visually. Uh, okay, so yeah, so some of the some of the mechanical elements seem very old by comparison to what we would what we would probably see today, in some or cases. what we'd expect to see of something that was cast in the future. Yeah. So, so I found that interesting. Because remember, this is what they thought the future would look like. Okay, but but this thing's filmed in two thousand. True, but two thousand five, two thousand eight, two thousand yeah. True, so, but again, like R two D two and C three PO still kind of look the way they do, and they were still shot in the eighty in the seventies and eighties as well. Okay, and a fair, lot of, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, they don't even look as modern as R two D two. No, and and again, I mean, like R two D two again was made in the seventies and. Was kind of a one-off prop and versus the do- versus like the Cybermen and the Daleks are very much inc- this older look to them that have got a little bit more sophisticated by by just like cranking it up from like one to two on the on the dial, but not by a whole lot. They're I, still I, I very agree. very old for what their comparison is. So, so I guess part of my question is, um, which came first, Doctor Who or Steampunk? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say. I'll have to look into that because I want to say Doctor Who probably came first. Because steampunk seems like something that would probably be either shortly thereafterwards or something in the seventies that would. No, steampunk. I was around in the seventies, and I was. I had platform. I I had wooden platform shoes. I, um, I was. 
I wore a, a midi skirt and your father came to pick me up for a date and said, I'm not taking you anywhere wearing that. And I said, that's fine. I grabbed my keys and left. Um, <laughs> so so okay. I I was very trendy during the 70s and okay. and, and none of it was steampunk. So um, and, and so the reason why I mention this is is I wondered which I wondered if Doctor Who, which to me does seem pretty steampunk in a, yes. in a lot of ways it does enjoy kind of this mechanical sort of nature to it with gears and, and yeah. with with gears that look like gears from a, a 200 year old clock yes yeah so, or an early automobile or something um well i think the gears are kind of meant to to do that as well i mean like keep in mind like the and and tar- i'm not talking in one episode i'm talking in multiple episodes yeah there's multiple episodes like, but keep in mind that the tardis itself is meant to travel through time and oftentimes when you do time travel it's often represented by gears spokes and things like that it's a pretty fairly common motif in a lot of um time machines that some for they, some, you're right you're they, right if i think to back have, to other famous time machines you're right yeah there's, there's but, a, i mean a I'm, not, I'm not talking just about the time machines i'm talking about the robots that are in some of the episodes mm-hmm. there are a couple of them with them yes um so i wondered which came first so my next overall thing is mm-hmm. And the, and the reason why I saw the tie-in with the children's show is three of the ones that, that I watched were historical. Yes. And and very nicely done that way. It was, I found it very interesting. So They they do the period piece stuff very well, I think, in a lot of cases. That I thought a, they did. They introduced you to people that you ordinarily wouldn't have focused on. Well, Rosa Parks you would have, but, but the other two you wouldn't have. And um, so I, um, I found that very interesting and, and very... Evocative, certainly for adults. You don't usually introduce children to a, 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 a an 18th century courtesan, but um, but uh, I could see where where that might have evolved from the mm-hmm. children's show, and it's certainly something teenagers could could do. Um, so I found that very interesting. I found it overall. You won't remember the original Twilight Zone, not the reboot. The original Twilight Zone. I, I do. You do. I have watched episodes. Okay. They were on the sci-fi. They were on sci-fi when it was still known as the Sci-Fi Network back when I was in college. And so occasionally we'd be flipping through it and it was like, oh, we caught it right at the beginning. Great. Let's watch. Okay. So where that was Monster of the Week with no connective dots, Mm -hmm. this was Monster of the Week with Doctor Who connective dots. Yes. And, And so I found it very much like the Twilight Zone. Yes, where everything's. What I liked about the initial, what I liked about Doctor Who is my very much the same thing I like about Twilight Zone is that um, there are some episodes which you could actually make full movies out of that would be perfect for movies. It's just that the way they wrote it was really great for a television show. Yeah, and it was enough time for they could get it done. They could you, get you, it done in forty five minutes. Yeah. Um, and I forget Twilight Zones were, were forty five minutes as well, right? They right, were like an hour long. Yeah, it was an hour yeah. hour long with commercials. So same time frame. Mm-hmm. So I found that I, I I found as I was watching it, um, very much like overall in in feel, mm-hmm. like the Twilight Zone. Yes. So those were my general observations. I appreciated that you chose. I had four different Doctor Who's, yes, four I, different four different doctors. Um, you had five technically. I have five. Yes. So, we, so the first episode, we got the ninth Doctor. A couple episodes later, you got um, the second Doctor. We did the third Doctor. The ninth Doctor, the tenth Doctor, the eleventh Doctor, the twelfth Doctor, and now with Rosa, the thirteenth Doctor. Okay. 
So yeah, so I want. So I saw. I saw. So I saw five different. At one point, I said five, and I th- it went back. And went no, I think that's the same. There's 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 one. The tenth Doctor, uh, David Tennyson, is in like three of the episodes. Yeah. So and so there were seven episodes in total. Um. So I really enjoyed being able to see different people personifying the mm-hmm. same. Um. Because certainly the David Atten. David, David Tennant, which is Tennant. the 10th Doctor, okay, which is Tennant. often considered like the best of all of them. Um, is snarkier than the others. Yes. I, I appreciate that. Um, because he's also very capable of love. So mm-hmm. so, um, so I, I kind of appreciated in in, in, the, in, in my own way the, the, the snark. So he was a little snarkier. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have a tremendous within the cast of these, mm-hmm. whether it was in the guest stars or, or things... Um, a tremendous range of young, much like the Twilight Zone, young ta- up-and-coming talent that I've have have then gone on to bigger and better things. And sometimes even older talent that have led their credibility to older up ep- to. This to is true audience. because because you have um, the Twelfth Doctor is also a, is a was a very prominent uh, British actor before in in his is okay. The Twelfth Doctor is a much older gentleman. He's, he was right. fifty-five years old. I've seen him in Shakespeare, and again, he's done he's done plays, he's done other movies before this, and having him there, even though he may not be a big name to us here in the here in the West, here in America, but he's very popular in London, and so having him there led leads a lot of credence to the show as well, even before the fact that you consider the fact that he's that traditionally they've ca- they've casted not unknown actors, but they've casted much. Younger actors with the intention of obviously keeping them longer and having, giving, you know, stuff like this. I mean, David Tennant, if you remember, he was in the, he was in either the third or the fourth Harry Potter movie. Right. Um, which he was mad You have at, another, you have another Harry at. Potter ter- tie-in too. Well, again, I mean, like, the, there's a lot of them here. Yeah. So, um, you, you have, uh, the other Doctor who, who later on is in, um, uh, Magical, or, Magical beasts and where to find them, or um, not the um, no, I don't believe that's the same guy. It is the same guy. It is. Yeah. Yep. I'm not, I'm not paying. Yep. I, I don't know my British actors all that well. Yeah. So so I found I found it interesting. Um, you know, he's in one of the spinoff movies for Harry Potter. Oh, okay. It's not the Harry Potter movies. It's one of the spinoffs. Yes. So okay. fantastical beasts and where to find them. Yeah. Which was supposed yeah. to take place in like America, circa nineteen fifties, sixties. I think I thought I thought it was I thought it was more like nineteen twenties, thirties. Maybe nineteen twenties, thirties. Maybe um, kind of like it's meant to kind of show where Dumbledore and some of the other most prominent characters came from that yeah. get referenced later yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but so. no, yeah, again, like it's a kind of a who's who's cast of who's in these in a lot of cases. Oh yeah, you have you have a. A, a, a museum curator who is in love actually well, he's and been on, yeah he's been in a lot he's, of he's stuff. been a lot of stuff um so you have you have some very good talent you have carrie mulgrew who um later goes on to be in a number of, of, of different uh full feature films mm-hmm. as as the star of them yeah um and it's highly thought of um so there's some much like the original twilight zone was the same way you had mm-hmm. a lot of up-and-coming actors who got their first shot there so it was, so to me it was interesting. Yeah, I can certainly see the parallels. I didn't think of that beforehand, but now that you mention it out loud, yeah, I totally see the parallels yeah. for that. Yeah, so that's what it struck me as. Okay. Uh, so the first episode um, that we had on the list here was uh, Rose, which is 
the first episode when they started rebroadcasting it in 2005. This is with the Night Doctor, who only lasted one season. He basically, when he got to the end of it, was like, um, I'm okay with not doing any more after this. Okay. He, he, he made a point of saying that he didn't... That as much as it was an honor to play the Doctor, he did not enjoy doing it. Okay. So, um, but this is also where we kind of get to see kind of what the show is kind of about. Kind of like this weird sort of sci-fi thing that you're not 100% certain about what's going on, but clearly there's a lot more kind of happening that you kind of want to see what's going on. And you want to come with me? Yeah. Um, so what did you think of it? So, so I, I found it really, really interesting um, because, you know, um, they're almost like, um, what do you call a witch's, a witch's aid? Um, you know, the person who helps. So kind of like an apprentice. apprentice kind of like an apprentice. Yeah. And, and he manages to find people who aren't blown away by this. Well, they have... They- I wouldn't say they're not blown away by it, but like they get over it pretty quickly. Rather. Yeah, they're able they're to, like, to. They're like, okay, wow, this was really and he's, weird. And he's able to see see those qualities in people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I got confused with, with how many Doctor Whos there were. Yeah, because I mean, like. Because, yeah. There's different, slight little different. Because Rose rate. continues on. Yeah, so most companions tend to last about two seasons, give or take. Um, so Rose started in season series one and then went into series two toward the very end of it. Um, and actually gets kind of a cool way that she gets written off a little bit. Um, again, other companions get, just get out, outright killed and other, yeah. other ones end up becoming, um, plot holes later on. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but they I, get left behind places. Not that they get left behind places, but they cause plot holes later on. Okay. So. Um, but yeah, no, as an introduction, it was a really good introduction because you got to sort of, you got the Mm storyline of, um, sort of where he's from and how he kind of how he's there. Yeah. So, so as an introduction, it was a, it was a good, you know, it, it enabled me to go further on when, when the others came up. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of which, um, the next episode I've recommended here was girl in the fireplace. And so the doctor and his companions arrive on a space station and some sort of spaceship that somehow has mirrors that let you go into 14th century. They're, por- they're portals. It's yeah. actually 17th century prance, but yeah. Okay. But they're, yeah, they're, they're portals. That let you kind of go through them. One of them is a fireplace. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it's, it's a really interesting perspective because um, he ends up in Renette, uh, the woman who eventually becomes Madame de Pompadour, who is a very famous courtesan, she was the mistress of um, Louis the the fifteenth. Uh, so many Louis. So many Louis, and and um, and they were very much in love. And actually, his his wife was was friends with her. Mm-hmm. She was kind of cool with it, from what yeah. we understand. Yeah. Um, but um, but but uh, Renette is uh, in France. Actually, very much admired as is. Um, somebody who was actually a woman of her age mm-hmm. uh, in that she was very artistic, she was very musical, she had wonderful skills, was very bright, um, and a pleasure to be around. So he meets her he, he meets her when she's seven. Yes, through a fireplace. Though, through so. a fireplace. And he's saving her because he's chasing these marionettes. 
Clockwork marionettes. I Clockwork guess. marionettes, and um, and he figure he only figures it out because there's a broken clock in the room, but you can still hear ticking, mm-hmm. and that's how he finds them. Um, and so um, his time is going very slowly, but her time is going very fast. So the next time he sees her, she's what seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. And then the next time he sees her after that, she's in her 20s. Mm-hmm. And then after that, she's just either she's right in her th- about her 30s. Give she's her 30, yeah, 30s. And then um, she dies when she's 43. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he only sees her a couple of times. But they're very much, it's, a, it's an interesting way to see a relationship because she refers to him as an angel. She first, first tells him that he's an imaginary person. Well, because when she's a girl, when she's a girl, she thinks he is. Yeah, she thinks it's her, her imaginary friend. Yeah. Because he did come back one time when he was a... Because, again, the first time they, she sees her through the fireplace, the second time... It's a couple of weeks later. It's, it's a, Well, it's a couple of weeks to a month later. It's like 10 or some odd weeks later. Yeah. But to the doctor, it's been about, like, two minutes. minutes yeah. yeah. So, like, so, like, when they're in the spaceship, time is flowing very smoothly. They may have been there for all of maybe... 12 some odd hours and she figures it out because he doesn't age at all Mm -hmm. Um, and then she is again through these different portals are uh, my guess is the portals are different time frames so this portal goes when she's 18 this one goes when she's seven this one goes well but she moves the fireplace into versailles Mm -hmm. and that's how she he 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 chooses in in the end in the storyline in Mm -hmm. order to save her he chooses to break the doorways which to would to trap, trap them. yeah, to trap the 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 um, the trap the clockwork uh, clockwork man who who for some reason think they need her brain to operate their station and they keep waiting for her to be complete, mm-hmm. which is going to happen when she turns thirty seven. Yes, so he's able when she's thirty two to block the pathways, mm-hmm. um, but it means he's trapped in her time zone, and she takes him by the hand and takes him to her bedroom. And um, and explains to him that the the um, fireplace that she originally met him in, she moved to Versailles. Painstakingly, piece by piece, into its like original configuration. Yeah, specifically because she wanted to make sure he could she could see him again. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, when she's seventeen or eighteen or how when she's she's a teenager, mm-hmm. um, she kisses him, and there is there is two things going on. One is that um, she refers to him as an angel. He's the angel who's always coming to save her. Yep. And um, and and yet there's a uh, something that feels like romance. It very much feels like there's like this and Rose bond. Yeah. And Rose is jealous, and Rose keeps asking, "Why her? Why her?" Mm-hmm. So I found that interesting. Yep. Uh-huh. Again, you got to love it for their period piece sort of elements that are yeah. going on there. Oh, the costuming is amazing. Well, keep in mind, they also... And they were in actual Versailles. Oh, okay. So I, I was I, thinking those I've been. sets. No, that was Versailles. Okay. I assumed all of those were sets because the way... Because, again, when you think about the, when you think about it, the fact that you have the spaceship versus the actual facade sort of stuff, mm-hmm. that that would have to be a set because you couldn't build the spaceship on the other side of the facade of an actual like room or anything so i thought a lot of those sets... some of it might have been but some of it some of it either was a really good re- replica of versailles or, or was versailles okay because again i mean keep in mind they only make about 10 they only make about 13 some odd episodes every season 
And I would think that if you do the scripting early enough, you could get the sets built periodically yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, in, in in London and in parts of England here, it's not uncommon for them to have a lot of the, uh, theater productions, much less stage productions or That's movies true. being shot. That's a good so, point. Yeah. Um, so the next one chronologically is the very end of ser- Series 2, which is Doomsday, which is where you get back to the Cybermen and the Daleks being very kind of 1950s 1960s looking future versus what we think of more modern future yeah so you had you had these these sort of you had two different kinds of robots one were those sort of salt shaker shaped things that were were metal right they were weird um no arms no but they could move they had plungers they had plungers Um, their head and their and their arms they were well they didn't really have arms more like yeah not really arms i guess well um yeah so you had those, and they couldn't touch. In the end, you discovered that they couldn't touch things, so they couldn't feel. True. So. Um, and then you have the Cybermen. You have the Cybermen, which were, who again are very vintage looking. They look like Rocket Man from from the fifties. Mm-hmm. So very steampunk. Yes, but, I mean. I mean, I, I, the, and 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 the, the the marionettes were very very steampunk. When yeah. you when you got the wigs off of them and you saw the gears inside the clear casing and which is actually kind of a cool feat when you think about it. that's some animatronics stuff going on there yeah so um, but oh yeah no so uh, Doomsday tells the story of basically how Rose um, kind of gets written off the cast as well as part most of her extended family and other characters related with her and um, her mother and so the episode prior so it's kind of like a two part episode kind of shows the Cybermen. Um, arriving on Earth, primarily because there's some sort of parallel world kind of hopping going on. They're um, they're they're tearing they're tearing holes in the fabric by hopping through time time warps. Mm-hmm. And and what you're you're told, and this goes back to the gal that that um, that I referred you to that does the lecture series. Yep. On time and 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 her lecture on time continuum. Um. They're hopping back and forth, and if you do that too much, you tear time warp. So you've got to stop it because they're going to tear basically the fabric of time. Well, so in one parallel world, the it's perfectly fine because it got rid of because there's no there's no everything is kind of the same, although there's some stuff a little bit different. But on their world, the temperature is going up because of these holes because of these pockets they keep tearing through. Right, them. like it, it, and I, I assumed an analogy to the ozone layer. Yeah, I thought I, I I would agree with that too. Um, and at one point, uh, the doctor basically gets the Cybermen to fight the Daleks. Um, and the way he ends up um, solving the entire problem is that he um, basically kind of reopens up the void, which sucks everything back into it, but then closes it at kind of the same time. Um, again, you kind of have to just assume the physics on it, I guess. Yeah. So, the, so there's a wind, and and they're definitely getting sucked, and it's like they blew a hole through the side of an airplane. Yeah. And and like there's all this velocity, and they're having to hold on to things. Mm-hmm. And um and you know originally he tells Rose, you're going to have to stay here with your your family. You can't go with me. You can't be away well, from them forever. Well, what'll happen here is Rose, he tells Rose that you have to go with. Your mom. Your, your mom and your, theoretically, your dad from the parallel universe. Right. 
because if you stay here on this side where he's going to close the portal up at, you'll get sucked in and lost in this void. Yeah. Um, versus that if she's over there, she'll be perfectly fine. So this goes back to something. So we're going to go back to the the um, Madame de Pompadour episode. Okay. For just the girl in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. For just a second, because one of the things that happens in that episode is that um, he asked to read her mind so that he can try to understand why they want her brain. Lady de Pompadour. Lady de Pompadour. Mm-hmm. Madame de Pompadour. Madame, my apologies. So, Madame de Pompadour. And he asked to read her mind and she lets him. And when that happens, she's able also to read his. Mm-hmm. And, and she tells him, you're so very lonely. Um, it must be hard to always be so alone yep. and you had such a lonely childhood and all these things. So jump ahead to this episode, Rose refuses to stay with her mom and insists upon, upon following Dr. Who. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she says is you're so lonely. I know how lonely you are. I'm not going to let that happen to you. Yes. And that does become a somewhat recurring theme with companions throughout the series where um, initially they're very much turned on by the notion of spanning the entire universe with the Doctor until they realize what the Doctor's kind of actually doing partly in the background of what everything else is going on, but what he's doing as a whole, which is trying to keep the world safe. And a lot of that was a lot of that happens where he's willing to just sacrifice himself to do it i mean you go back to he girl, sacrificed yeah girl, in the, girl fireplace. in the fireplace he was willing to sacrifice himself to stay in 18th century france basically to save one woman yeah you know and he's fairly heartbroken after that so and and that comes up kind of rather he, yeah he's he's somewhat and certainly admires her a great deal and mm-hmm. is somewhat somewhat in love with her and then at the end of this one yeah he has to say goodbye to rose and it's very much a it's very much a love scene. Yeah, I mean, he's very—he seems very fairly choked up about it. Well, she she tells him that she loves him, mm-hmm. and then he starts to tell her, and then the portal shut. Yeah. So, but that's the end of series two, in which uh, we continue on later on with another episode, which is probably one of my favorite episodes. This is Blink. Yeah. Okay. So, so is it bad that? It, first of all, mm-hmm. I've seen those statues around forever. I know, right? Oh, and and it's and the concept is brilliant, and 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 this is the episode that really for me made the tie in with the Twilight Zone because it's so Twilight Zoneish. Oh, again, you could have made an entire movie based off of this one episode. Oh, it, I, it, it I love I love perfect. this. You could have had her trying to figure out really um, trying to figure out the seventeen. You know what's what do these seventeen uh, DVDs have, have in common? common? Well, they just happen to be the seventeen I own. Um, and the whole concept of him having the conversation because he's been here before. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing what people were going to say because he's been here before. He actually hadn't been there before. So so the way the story begins is that this girl is just taking pictures in a... Um, a haunted, in a haunted a house. house. Basically an old an old uh, vacant house, but, but really old vintage, like 100-year-old house. Yeah, and... Um, she gets startled by something because she's ripping back this wallpaper and it's finding her name and these notes kind of written in it. And then throughout the entire story, one of, well, but one of them says says Sally Sally uh, Sally Sparrow Sally Sparrow Duck, mm-hmm. and it keeps mentioning no no really seriously Duck, 
and then something comes flying over her head. Mm-hmm. They meant duck. Yep. Um. Uh. So the walls. So there's there's, and and this is sprayed on with with spray paint. Yes. So there there are words if you peel back the wallpaper sprayed on. Um. That tell her what you know. Give her some instruction. Yep. And then her best friend is in the house with her. And the statues move. And she says, the statue got closer to me and the statue is covering in its eyes. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and I, I swear that statue got, got closer to me. And, um, and so then she, she grabs her friend and her friend comes. And her friend ends up, they're in London. Her friend ends up in Hull. Mm-hmm. Which is like way far away. Okay. And um and ends up in Hull in nineteen twenty. And so she continues to have her own life there after that. Right. But this happens where they're both in the house. It's it's just fascinating. So they're both in the house together mm-hmm. in in modern times. The doorbell rings, the friend disappears. At the door is the friend's grandson handing Sally a letter. Yep. Which literally goes on to explain, hey, if this arrives to you at the right time and you're reading it right when you get it, because you have to read it because I told my grandson to do that, I will have just dis- I will I would have just been there seconds ago and I am not there. This is what happened to me. And and I and don't feel badly, I had a wonderful life. And go tell my brother Go tell my brother that I'm, I love him. That I love I'm, him. I'm, I'm happy. I'm fine, and I love him. Yeah. Um, so she goes and sees the brother, and this is where she starts in the seeing, video store. In the video store, and that's where she hears about these apparent Easter eggs that are kind of just randomly hidden on these movies. But just on these seventeen. Yeah, just on these random seventeen movies, and they don't have it. It's confusing as to what genre they are, or what they all have in common. Well, she then goes to the police. Um, to try to find out more, because because the one guy mentions like, well, nobody ever just goes to the police and solve all these things all the time. Yeah. She she goes to the police, and this one police guy is like, wait a second, you said what now? Well, let me show you my secret collection of weird stuff. Well, actually, well, she tells the sergeant, and the sergeant goes and gets that guy mm-hmm. who is a detective, and he says, well, let me take you back here, yeah, and show you my my weird. And so, he actually explains about. The statues. Well, he doesn't explain about the statues, statues. But, he, he, but, he, but he explains he knows that, that he knows that they happen. He, know, he knows that there's something hap- weird happening there that people always keep disappearing there because here are these various cars that we've found with their engines still running in some cases that we just found there. And here's the weirdest thing: here is this police box from the 1960s that's also just randomly here as well, and it's locked. And it's locked. We can't get into it. No key will ever open it up regardless, even though it's a simple lock. But here it is locked. And it actually what's actually really interesting, he's really macking on Sally. Yeah, he's trying he to ask re- her out. He really wants it. Eventually he gets the number. Yeah, Sally's number. And then like you hear some weird noises, and then all of a sudden these statues are just all kind of surrounding the police box. And then they grab him. And... Um, come to find out that um, they sent him back to 1969 as well. Yeah. And she meets up with him again. She gets she gets a call mm-hmm. to come meet him at the hospital. Yep. 
And he's 70-something years old. Yeah, and he's explaining how he lived his entire moment to see her at this point. But he had a good life. That he had a good life, but he got told... Um, you will see her only once. And that, after, that you'll die after the rain ends. Yeah. Uh, but what he tells her later on is that actually... Because it's into, raining when they meet. Yeah. Um, but he explains that he got into video production and eventually got into DVDs. He's the one that hid the Easter eggs in the DVDs. Yeah. And so she goes There's back. no explanation of how he knew which 17 she owned, though. True. Um, well, no, it, it gets explained at the very end. Kind of. Yeah. Um, so then what ends up happening is that she goes back to the brother who um, who has all the DVDs and is like, okay, bring bring a portable DVD player to the house and we, we're going to figure this out. They yeah. bring it there and that's where they actually have... Because mind you, like the DVD, the DVD thing has been kind of in the background. Yeah, there's like feeling like it's got to have so, a conversation. So, so, so there's so many different stories going on here. Mm-hmm. It's hard. There's the friend with the letter. Never explain to me how the friend goes back in time. Only that she does. Okay, so what happens is that when the weeping angels touch you, they send you back in time. The reason they send you back in time is that when you go back in time. You start back at a different spot, and so the potential energy that you would have had throughout the rest of your life, they absorb that. That's how they live. Okay, got it. So okay. yeah, so, t- so okay, I, I I wasn't I wasn't making that connection. Now I get it. And so they're known as the kindest assass- assassins because they they kill you by letting you lead lead out your life as a whole. Yeah, it's just that when you that when you go to lead out your life, you lead out your life. You know. In decades ago, go. decades yeah. you know ago versus what would be now, and the doctor manages to find each each of these people. Yeah, so doctor manages to. I don't know if he actually found the the first girl though. That's true because the grandson brought the letter and it yeah. had not, it had no and, mention and of the doctor. Then that yeah, start, okay. then that part's kind of wrapped up. But yeah, um, so the so again the the brother's been watching these DVDs and has been watching the doctor have this conversation with somebody off off camera but he doesn't know who that person is but it's all it's always takes place almost like like he can hear you or he can see you yeah and so finally they get to the house there and they're actually having in and the it's conversation like they're actually having the conversation and um the brother actually writes it has like a uh, has like a transcript of it because again he's been following this thing for years yeah um, he's been looking for them on on yeah on dvds and he's trying yeah. to figure out what he works in on. a video shop yeah um and so what he ends up doing is he actually has a transcript and he actually starts writing the actual dialogue along with it because he thinks, oh, this is brilliant. This is going to make it make sure this is going to make everything make sense. Yeah. And again, she's having a conversation with the doctor who's in, in seemingly real time. In seemingly real time, even though it's a uh, projection. Yeah. Or it's a movie. It's a, yeah. basically just a DVD. Um, and then midway through, the transcript sort of ends and the doctor's like, look, okay, well, that's the end of the transcript. So I don't know what else you I don't know what else you've said or done or what else we've talked about here. But here's the deal: this is what's happening. Don't you got it? You got to stare at them the entire time. We're talking about the statues. So, so the statues can't look at you, or else they freeze. Yes. So they can't make eye contact. So, so, so in order to keep them still, you have to keep looking at them. Yes. But they're very fast. Mm-hmm. And the minute you turn your back, they're going to catch you because they're very fast. Oh, yes. Even though they're statues. Um, and at then, one point, they're on a different building. They're following her. Well, no. When so she they, goes to the police station, they're on the building across the street. 
True. So they may have been following her, but they probably... Or they may have been going for the TARDIS. Yeah, I think they might have just been going for the TARDIS. Um, Uh, And how does she get the key? She found... One of them was had the key on them. Okay. It was kind of holding it in her hand. Yeah. And and she she just kind of, like, yanked it from them. Yeah. Um, So eventually, like, they're trying to exit the house, and the house is all boarded up. They can't get out anyway, so they make their way down to the basement, and that's where the TARDIS is at. And... What ends up happening is they get inside the TARDIS. Because the key, the key, the key, the key is what the opens key, it up. Yeah. So they open up the TARDIS to get inside the TARDIS. They initially freak out like everyone does because again they go into the TARDIS. You're expected to be inside this police box, and you're in and this then huge, in this, like, yeah. this giant, you know, house. And you're just like, Wait. no, we're not crazy, okay, but get back in. Um, and they put the DVD into the TARDIS, and it, the TARDIS disappears with them not in it. So it sends the TARDIS back in time to the Doctor. Yeah. So the Doctor can come forward. But then while they, but while the angels are there, the angels are kind of surrounding them, trying to get into the TARDIS. And what ends up happening is once the TARDIS leaves, the angels are now staring at one another. Because they can't... Basically, the logic of the angels is that if they ever see anybody else, they can't exist at all. So they can only exist when they're not, when they're, when they're not aware of anybody else. When they're not... When nobody else is aware of their own existence. But now since the angels can see each other, that's what stops them from moving because they're stuck. They're all frozen. Because they're all acknowledging because they're all acknowledging each other's yeah. existence. Yeah. So that's how they get out that so that's how they basically stop these weeping angels. And then I'm guessing like a year later the two of them are kinda of like hooked up at this point. Yeah. And are running the D V D shot store yep. at this point. And she just, uh, Sally just happens to see the doctor running by in a rush and hands her like a dossier of all the stuff that she's figured out with all the material and everything. Yeah. And then that, so he, and the doctor's like, oh, who are you? Sally Sparrow. You'll, you'll you, need, you'll, you'll need that later. Yeah. You'll need this. And cause again, time travel and everything. Yeah. So this is an entire episode that could have been a movie. And it, it was this wonderful circular thing. Yeah. I loved how it ended because. You didn't know what caused him to look for her. Or how she, how he ever got this information to begin with. But clear, or how he knew to put Sally, uh, Sally Sparrow duck now Because clearly the throughout the entire thing, the doctor seems like he knows exactly what's going to happen and what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And then when you finally see him in the person, in the flesh, he's like... He doesn't what, recognize now? her. I don't know you. He doesn't know what's going yeah. on. Yeah. It's a perfect little, it's a perfect little circular thing. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. So, so that was my favorite as well. That's one was one of my. Although, favorites. although I I liked several a, a great deal. So going down the timeline here, the next one I want to talk about is Vincent and the Doctor. And my favorite part of this entire one was just the ending. We don't make any difference. Because yeah, so so my favorite part of this as well was the ending. Mm-hmm. So this is the episode where, um, so we're at the next Doctor, um, Matt Smith. Um, who's also apparently the youngest person to play the Doctor when he got mm-hmm. casted. Um, and there just happened to be in a Van Gogh uh, exhibit. And he notices in the um, One port- of the, the painting of, of, of the cathedral at Rouen mm-hmm. um, that there's a, a uh, figure in a window that's absolutely ghastly. He says he can see, he can tell, because he knows evil that that is absolute evil. Mm-hmm. And so they end up going back to Van Gogh. Um, 
just days before. They dial it in so it's just days before yep. and his suicide. Was it days before his suicide or? Yeah. Okay. Um, so they go back in time and they um, interact with Van Gogh, who again very much seems like a recluse. They went through quite a bit of detail. They probably went through quite a bit of detailing to recreate his paintings as a sim. Because you see him going back to what looks like famous some odd sites from just straight out of his paintings. Yeah. Um, but they were real sites. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it's never well explained, but apparently Vincent van Gogh can see this one alien, which is how he knew it was in the church. He's the only one who can see it. Um, apparently it's terrorized part of the town. In yeah. Case. The doctor can only see it in a mirror facing backwards. In a, yeah. Which is it, kind of odd. It's weird. So not in a mirror facing, I guess if mirror was facing forwards, okay. But he can see it in a mirror facing backwards. Um, so, and he hears it mm-hmm. and people think because Vincent van Gogh had a drinking problem mm-hmm. and also a problem with morphine. Yes. Um, people think that he's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's the figure. It turns out that that beast is the figure in the window. Yep. And it's, it's killed a young, at one point, a young girl, mm-hmm. like 14 year old or something like that. Uh, it's. I don't recall the exact age. It was like a, it was a woman who was just about to be it was like in her teens. I want in her teens, yeah. Um, but of of course, um, both the doctor and uh, and his accomplice, and his companion. I don't remember her name this time around. Yeah, I don't either right now. Um, I did on Sunday, um, <laughs> but um, are are an abs- are absolutely enthralled by by having the ability to watch. Him paint. To watch him paint, yeah. They actually, at one point, he takes another painting and just starts painting over it in white, and they're just like, they're no, like, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. But keep in mind, like, they're enamored by him. They're very yeah. impressed by him, and he's just like, my art sucks. I mean, like, Nobody buys it. And... Nobody buys it. It's horrible. It's like, blah. Um, eventually, the doctor obviously figures out the beast, and the beast just kind of dies, so it's not it's existent evil. anymore. Yeah. Um, but before they leave... They tell Van Gogh, hey, come with us for... Just a couple just, minutes. Just a couple minutes. Because cause Van Gogh is lamenting mm-hmm. that his life has no value because nobody sees any value in his art. Yep. At one point, the accomplice gives uh, Van Gogh a, a bouquet of sunflowers. Yes. Um, to cheer him up. And he's like, I really don't like these flowers. They're very they're, complex. and They're very complex. and They're kind of odd. And they're a challenge to paint. They Even look at each other, painting, yeah. It, so. um, but, but he ends up, he does obviously end up painting them. Um, but uh, they take him back to modern times and back to the room at um, uh, the laundry, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that contains the Van Goghs. He walks past a Monet and admires it, and then he walks into the Van Gogh room, and they grab the curator, and uh, and uh, Doctor Who asks him, you know, like, what is your opinion of Van Gogh? And he says, to me, he's the finest painter who has ever lived. He gave us such use of color. He, you know, goes on and on. And, and Van Gogh is crying. He's got, you know, slow he's tears. tears in his eyes hearing what and people think of him. him. Yeah. That even though right now he's not appreciated that somewhere down the, down the line in the future, in the far-flung future, for his sake, he's like, wow. It's like, okay, what I was living for all these years was not the end of the... It was 
was worth it. Right. So the accomplice and, and Doctor Who are thinking, you know, so they send him back to his time and they mm-hmm. say goodbye to him. And I think they're both thinking that then maybe Van Gogh doesn't commit suicide. Well, only the, only the companion does. Okay. Only the companion thinks that, um, that it won't change anything. Um, but rather, um, she goes back and she's befuddled by the notion that nothing has changed. Yeah. Um, and the doctor knows nothing has changed because again, I mean, she's expecting to see new, new artwork that mm-hmm. nobody's ever seen before yeah. hung in the gallery because hung in the museum because the, um, he would have lived a longer life and had more time to paint. Yeah. And, and she finds out he commits suicide anyway. Yeah. Because I mean, and to the doctor at the end of the day, time is consistent. Part of the reason why, again, the doctor doesn't go back to 1920s to pick up the Sally's friend is that because it happened, you can't change it and by changing it you don't know it's it would cause the whole butterfly effect yeah it would cause this massive ripple and changes and stuff that would um basically become a somewhat of a paradox at a certain point you know and and so she she really does lament and you can tell she's really um impacted by the the idea that it doesn't really make any difference Mm -hmm. until she doesn't value until she sees the vase at the very end with the sunflower for amy Mm -hmm. now it says her name was amy Yes, her name was Amy. Now we remember. Yeah. That was the companion's name. Yeah. And again, no, the ending of it was just very sweet. Yeah. And that was what I kind of liked about it the most. Well, see, and I liked that you got a sense of um, both with Madame de Pompadour Mm -hmm. and with Van Gogh, both figures that you would never really delve much into into their lives. We all kind of know the story of Van Gogh. He was impressed that this woman cut off his ear. That's the most people know, which isn't quite how that story actually went, but okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and, the, and most people realize that he never sold a painting in his lifetime. Um, in, this, in, in these little vignettes, you got to see people for maybe their other qualities. Mm-hmm. And I found that true of both. You got to see, in this case, like Van Gogh, this... They're humanized. Very humanized. This very somewhat tortured sort of individual yeah. that's like, look, just take my painting and give me a drink. That's all, I, you know, but like, no, your paintings suck. Well, and at one point he, did, he he lays on his back and he looks up in the sky and he describes, and as he's describing what he sees mm-hmm. in the galaxies, um, Starry Starry Night is for me. Yeah. And... Um, and and I think it's the, his description that allows you to see where his his idea of texture and and color come from. Yeah, because he clearly saw the world a little bit differently. Well, he talks about all the different hues in the night sky. Mm-hmm. Even when he's talking about the sunflowers, he goes on quite a quite a bit for those sunflowers. Yeah. Which is kind of almost meant to be like, oh, I don't like the sunflowers, but here's this little bit. They're of a complex and they're yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I liked, I, you know, especially I love the ending in this one here. Yeah. Um, the next one here, uh, which is series nine, episode 11, which is heaven sent. This is with the 12th doctor, which is the groundhog's day episode. Yep. Um, that apparently takes over 20 billion years to figure out. He's trying to break this diamond wall by punching it, by punching it. Um, and he gets, he gets it, he's got it timed. He only has a certain number of seconds, so like 82 seconds. So the, so the story initially starts off with him kind of appearing in this chamber. He's not 100% certain how he got to wherever he is. Yeah. That's never well explained to him at all. 
Um, and it's not really explained to us how he got there either. Yeah. Um, and then something's chasing him throughout the entire way. Yeah. Um, and would you come to, and so like the very first two. And, and it has these long talons and it sort of like, like engulfs. Forward. Yeah. And it engulfs him across his face and sucks him in. It's bizarre a little. Yeah. Um, but you again, through, very Twilight Zone. So you go through almost like 80, like two thirds to almost 80% of this entire thing, just living out this one lifetime and then you realize that um he references years yeah and but for this for this first time he goes through because it's the first time we're seeing it it might have been for him the seven thousandth time or yeah or billionth time even and he's going through it and he comes to realize that at the very end when he finally when he gets to the wall with the, with right. the 20 feet of diamond essentially wall that um that this is what he has to do he has to punch through the wall go back reset himself because apparently like he downloaded they've downloaded a copy of him into this terminal so long as he copies himself he'll be regenerated in that terminal again and that's how you get these billions of lifespans and so the next five six minutes are just him repeating the entire process in a montage almost where yeah it gets to a point where he's just flipping through and all the only way you know it's different is because he announces how many years either how many years or the wall that he's punching through diamond actually gets narrower and narrower yeah like he's getting closer and closer and every single yeah. time it's always he always has like maybe one or two punchers or something and everybody's kind of but he's referencing hundreds of thousands of years so it's also kind of interesting throughout this he keeps in like, the same suit the entire time yes because he keeps washing it and then leaving it to dry right or he, he, he there's always, a tower he can but i mean all of this each 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 episode that he goes through this takes a certain number of seconds because it's only the amount of time it takes him to run from here from one end to the other well not so much it takes a lot of seconds we're we're seeing it in just a matter of seconds because it's just going through the same exact narrative over and over because keep in mind the rooms reset themselves after but a certain be, amount of time but he has yeah but so he has a certain amount of time before the monster comes in a, and yeah and when he's trying to punch through again. the wall yeah yeah it's like in what he when he's doing it, he's like he's reciting some sort of story or something so we yeah can, like he, he, he well you're getting his logic which is, and he is the only person in this episode, mm-hmm. aside from the thing. Well, there's um, a second person here, but not inherently visible and immediately. Yeah, that's true. So, the be- so, the best way to kind of describe it is that he has these inner monologues when he's back in the TARDIS, and he seems to be talking to somebody. Yeah. Um, and so the person he's talking to is actually his most recent companion, which. Apparently died in the episode. The, the, br- the brunette with the with, with the little bangs. Yes. So this yeah. is Carol Oswald. Now uh-huh. she now the best way to describe her is that she's in weird. And character. he didn't mean for her to die. He didn't mean for her to die. No. Um, she's a weird character in the series because, well, not not in the series itself, but um, she's known as the Impossible Girl, and I had to do a little bit more research because I wasn't fully aware of her. She met the Doctor back when he was still the 10th Doctor in in a single standalone episode. And then years later, she appeared with the 11th Doctor as his companion in his final season. And then followed along with the Doctor going on to the the 12th Doctor. Uh Um, But what happens kind of midway through is that she actually sacrifices herself for the 11th Doctor at one point in order to save him. And she becomes kind of like the, like, she kind of becomes a doctor herself, where she partly becomes a Time Lord, and actually interacts with several other uh, iterations of the Doctor, from one, two, three, from like, 
the 1960s and go in through different time zones. And you kind of, and kind of her deal at the end of the day is that she's kind of been in the background always helping the doctor, but the doctor's not inherently aware of it, and she's not inherently aware of it because it's not until her future point. Okay. And so that's why she's also known as the Impossible Girl because she's gotten, she's also existed in like uh, 15th century at one point, and she's existed two different time frames in modern times. She's very divisive amongst fans. Some fans think she's the best thing. That she's a great, she was a great addition to it. Other people have issues with her. I'm kind of leaning on people who have an issue with her because she seems the companions in the she's not warm. Well, it's not that she's not warm. She she's actually very bubbly and bright, and she's oh actually, okay, she's not warm in this episode. Well, no, in this episode, it's just the doctor. Keep yeah. in mind, the twelfth doctor is a very negative doctor because he's also a much older kind of yeah. person. Um, and there's a logic behind him being older because in the the 11th Doctor actually aged um, through one of his ti- through one of his regeneration cycles. Okay. Um, and A got to A and basically went from what was his like early 25s into like his 80s and 90s through an entire lifespan, which is not very apparently common for the Doctor. Okay. Um, and so when he regenerated this time, he regenerated as a much older person because he had lived such a long lifespan. Okay. Which is kind of odd. And and this new doctor obviously is a little bit more um, grizzled and a little bit more um, gruffer than the previous doctors because every doctor has their own slight difference. Yeah. But, Car- but Clara... It's hard to judge him from this one episode. Yeah. Because he's, he's in, in this one episode, he's very much in his own head. He's very much in his own head, but he's also kind of, I think, mourning the loss of um, his yeah. companion. Um Clara, not Carol, but Clara, excuse me. Clara Oswald. Um, and so Clara actually is supposed to be kind of like the doctor's reminder that he has a heart to be a be- to be the better person. Yeah. Um, but this this is one of those episodes that in and of itself is a f- perfectly fine episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you hadn't watched some of the previous episodes, I think. Um, it's certainly compelling. It's certainly compelling. And again, this is one of those ones where if it were kind of its own movie, it certainly would be interesting in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be its own stand. Again, this is one of those um, episodes where it could be its own movie, which would be certainly interesting. Yeah. Um, although, again, they, it's a great episode, I think. But it's a great episode. But I think um, had I gotten had I gotten another choice, I might have tried to find a different episode that might have fit this one a little bit better. It was very interesting because it was it, to me it was interesting to see what you could do. When your storyline was just the challenge faced by him, because because Clara is is it only appears sort of just very, right, yeah she's she's very you get glimpses yeah you get glimpses of her a couple of times and then you get one kind of conversation with her yeah but even then it's not really conversation she, at all yeah it's all just in his head yeah and and um, so to me it was interesting. Because all of the other episodes had had multiple people interaction, a, a lot of a lot of um, involvement with four, five, six people, and and this had just the one almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the exception of the thing chasing him. Yeah. And that one yeah. boy, and that one boy at the very very end, which is all of like two lines. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but no, so that was uh, heaven sent. Yeah. Um, and then the last one was 
of the more the, from the most recent series. This is going to be series eleven, um, episode three, which is Rosa, which I thought was so topical. Oddly, very topical. Yeah, yeah, for what's happening now. Um, so in this particular one, um, the question I have for you is: is she got three companions now? She's got the the Pakistani girl. She's got the the black guy, mm-hmm. Michael, and then his and then his grandfather, and then his grandfather. Yeah. So how does his grandfather, who is white, mm-hmm. come along for the ride? I probably would have to know from a, a, a previous episode. Because they found her in season... So what happened between series 10 and series 11 was that after the doctor regenerated, he regenerated by himself. And when he regenerated into uh, the new female version, the 13th doctor... She got kind of knocked out of the TARDIS and fell to Earth at a particular time, I think, in 19, in 2018 to meet these people. Um, and she, she has to go back and find the TARDIS. She actually re, has to recreate her own uh, sonic screwdriver at this point, which is why it has kind of a amber glow and kind of also has kind of a... It's not blue, pill. yeah. It's not blue, and then the previous Doctor had like a green one. Um, um, so this one's a little bit different, but... Um, Eventually, with their help, she's able to get back to the TARDIS and offers to take them, you know, to travel along with her. So, so in this particular instance, there's somebody, there's a, a almost like an evil spirit. He's another Time Lord, and he thinks not, every... Not quite. He's an, okay, what is he? So, he's another human, as far as I can tell, from all natural things. He comes from the future, though. Okay, he comes. From so he comes from the okay. future, and when he was in, he got locked up in jail, and he has kind of an inhibition chip, which doesn't allow him to do violence. So he can't harm anybody or kill anybody without experiencing massive amounts of pain, and so right. it won't allow him to so do he's that. He's prevented. Um, so he gets his hands on this time travel technology that lets him go back into the past. Where he thinks that if he alters this one event, it'll change everything to allow him to have the better life he believes he was supposed to have. And he believes he was robbed of this because uh, uh, African-Americans were given uh, equality. Yeah. So what he wants to prevent from happening is he wants to prevent Rosa Parks from refusing to um, stand and give her seat to a white person. Yeah. And, this episode, and he's manipulating all sorts of events to make that happen. He's not hurting anybody. He's just manipulating events. So this is one of the few times in which the episode, um, which I was actually kind of interested to see by that they were willing to do this, where it really does play into um, your race. Because the, the guy who's the bad guy here is a white guy, uh-huh. is a white male, versus the doctor who's British has a woman, a Pakistani woman who's also, who's also British, but you also have a black British man as well. I mean, then a night, then a white one, and there is this constant element throughout the entire thing. If it's, well, it's nineteen sixties Alabama, yeah, um, like actually late fifties, but yeah, late fifties, excuse me, yeah, um, like you had he, to meet Martin Luther King. You got to meet. He was very excited. He like he was trying to hold oh, himself back, back when, yeah. when that was happening, um, but so much that he like recognizes that like, well, what the what the hell? He woman drops her glove, and he's like, oh hey, you dropped your glove. He tries to hand it back to her. And the man just slaps him, back, just backhands him, and he's just like, and they're all just in this giant culture shock, which was, um, which so what, was yeah. So telling. basically, what you have is a, a black man who has has lived in in uh, in the in two thousand 
18. Well, we could assume he's probably born sometime in the 2000s, if not the early, late 90s. 90s. Late 90s. Um, and he hasn't really known this kind of overt. overt racism before. However, he says, so So when when um, he's, he's not allowed to share a hotel room with his um, grandfather because he's black. Yeah. So he has to hide in the alleyway when the police come and knock on the door. And, and the police come and they even check the bathroom. Are you sheltering a black man? Mm-hmm. And um, and he's having to hide out in the alley. And he's talking to the Pakistani girl who is also in. in and this is true in British culture that that the Pakistanis are frequently looked down upon. Yes. It's a thing. Um, and the two of them are having this conversation. And he, he says, OK, so Rosa Parks, this great woman, and she's, she did this. Mm-hmm. But. I still have to deal with all this less overt racism. It still isn't equal. And this was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or 60 years or ago. 70 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. However, yeah, you're right. 70 years ago. Um, and and so it's in, in Chico comes back and she says, but you can do this and you can do this and you can do this. And those are all real material improvements. Mm-hmm. There's been some change. It's not. It's not a one-to-one change, but it's things have gotten a lot better, and things you know, and things may have not gotten a lot better had this event not occurred. But he, but he, so he follows Rosa Parks home, and and um, he, she he gets invited in, and it's an evening when her uh, several members of her church and Martin Luther King are, and her husband are in the house, and um, and he he gets to take part in this this conversation that they have. Yep. And um, and and meet Martin Luther King, and he's really touched by that. Yeah, because where before like he knew kind of knew who Rosa Parks was, but not a hundred percent. Well, he's British and she's an American. Yeah, yeah. So again, I, I thought it was again. I like this episode a lot because um, it was somewhat poignant for our times. At times, it was a little bit hard to watch. Um, he talks he, about he talks about how difficult it is in that setting to control his anger, mm-hmm. and how impossible it would be to live like that. Yeah, and to think that that was that that was not a fictionalization at all. That was real. that was what was, and um, and it's and, and it's interesting to see how they depict the moment in which he refuses um, to give up her seat. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got a, you, I, I liked that you got a sense of who she was. Yeah. That seemed fairly authentic. Yeah. And, and again, I mean. So again, you know, this tremendous figure humanized. And again, this goes back to <clears throat> what you were saying with Twilight Zone was that you kind of got to see something different all the time. And it's not something again. I mean, keep in mind, like Rosa Parks is a very much an American thing. Madame de Pompadour would have been a very, uh, French, a French thing. thing. Yeah. Um, in, Although she she was the woman of her time frame, okay. and then but, Van yeah. Gogh again would have been somebody that would have been popular now, but wouldn't have been back in his day at all. Yeah, and they do go back and interact with them in these diff- in these very somewhat moving sort of feelings throughout all of them. And here's any so the, so the surprises for me. Uh, so of these episodes, my my favorite blink just because that that. Thesis. Such a cool concept. Yeah, the concept is so cool. It was perfect. So you, you have you have the monsters that are that that are statues if you're looking at them, and they can't move while you look at them. And what's what I found was very interesting about it as well is that if you hadn't said that, if you had never watched a single episode, you would have thought the doctor oh is a time traveler. 
he's almost barely in this entire thing. It's almost not even a he's, Dr. Hoopa episode. He's just he, in those little little video clips at the end. They're these little this is just, couple yeah. minutes of dialogue. And if you had cast anybody else in that role, you could have had yourself a different movie. Well, and so so and here's where I get to so so this very much highlights my thing is is that it's the you know you had Rod Steiger introducing the Twilight Zone, but he was never in any of the episodes, and mm-hmm. all the episodes stood on their own. Yep. Here you had the Twilight Zone with Doctor Who as the connective piece. Yes. So so everything was always different, and never never things didn't have similar beats at all, and everything was always a little bit different. But there was this through line of oh, these are these constants that I keep seeing, and that I know kind of how they I kind of know how they interact, but I don't know how the rest of the story is going to play out. Yeah, so I found it interesting. If, so, so the things I found interesting, it mostly takes place on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where most of the time, that's where most of the history comes from, I'm told. Yeah, I'm thinking not. <laughs> I, I think there are other universes out there. But um, it has that, that sort of vintage steampunk version of the future, mm-hmm. which I, I found very interesting. Um, I always enjoy it, the TARDIS. You see, and 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 I enjoy looking, seeing what the TARDIS looks like, like during Van Gogh's time, because because the TARDIS keeps changing based on the Doctor. Yeah. So so well, but it also yeah the inside yeah yeah the inside but the outside the, the outside changes based on where it lands too. Yes. And sometimes again, like in Van Gogh, it got painted up by uh, flyers. Yeah. Um, other times it's had more dust and dirt on it, and sometimes it's had locks and chains around it. But the police box itself has been mostly the same. They used the same police box from basically 2005 up until about 2018. It was the same prop. So, so, um, so the, you know, I enjoyed the whole concept of, of the TARDIS. I was actually rather grateful that, that, um, that it didn't pop into the future and go all sort of Star Trek-y, which it could. It has the opportunities to, yes. Yeah. Um, that setup could. Instead, it, it stayed... Sort of, you know, there there are hints of maybe a little future activity, but there isn't. It's um, not a script future. It's very much, oh, because it's again, very he, nebulous. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he might be 50, 51st century. Other times he's in the 98th century. You know, that part changes how far he goes, which allows him to kind of play very loose with how mechanical but with how sci-fi their worlds can be and how but it doesn't go real sci-fi it's to me to me it's this interesting balance of of and you and i've had this conversation with regard to robots needing to look humanized humanized Mm -hmm. so it, it it makes a point of not taking that tangent and making things very i don't want to say cuddly because that's not the right word but those things that are robotic, other world, alien, are a little bit more simple, so you can implant a little bit more of your humanity on it. You can, yeah, you can see the humanity. In it. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, the, and and they're not techie, and they're not. Which I mean, in today's world, you could get all techie. Oh yeah. Um, it's resisted the urge, I think, to go the sci the the real sci fi route, and instead kept it in that quirky space that um. It, 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 it frees it up to be so many different things rather than stereotyping it into one thing, I think. See, because, yeah, because when we get to the sci-fi, it often reminds me a little bit of Star Wars, where, like, how does this work? Well, we made up some techno babble about how it worked. They're never specific about it because the 
the science about how things work are actually not the most important element of whatever's happening right now. Oh, again, you have to listen to those lectures. She'll tell you it is. But I'm all, again, keep in mind, like, the 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 medical metaphysical sort of elements are are very much yeah. real they yeah. they are they are cribbing that the, f- they're, the physics they are the physics... cribbing the physics but the yeah. technology aspect of it they're playing very loose with um, intentionally because again I mean like who knows what technology will have and how different writers will want well, to portray that technology and and I thought it was cute because in the episode with Rosa Parks um, they they uh, we're trying to, the you know, policeman says, what are you doing in town? Well, we've got this new device and, and we're going to try to market it. And what is this new device? Well, it's a phone you can hold in your pocket and it and it sends messages and it can take pictures and it can... It has a calendar on it. It has a calendar it has on a it. a map. And the, and the police officer is like, that's really dumb. Yeah. And we're now we're just like, uh, holds up cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, Is so really even a cell phone anymore. Can we just call them like pocket computers now? Personal devices. I don't know. I don't even know. I, I don't even can't remember the last time I made a phone call with mine. Yeah. In all honesty. Oh, I make phone calls with mine all the day, all all day, and I get phone calls all day. But that's that's it's, my life. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, it even kind of pokes fun at what is technology that will happen in seventy years. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Resist that urge, and I, and I, I think that's a, I think that's valiant because I think it would be tempting when you have the freedom of space to go there, to go there. But once you go there, you sort of stereotyped yourself, and I think pigeonholed, and they've so they've resisted that nicely. What I've what I kind of liked about Doctor Who is, um, this goes back to actually my concept about anime, why I love Japanese culture in a lot of cases, especially their media, because. It always feels like the Japanese are willing to give just about anything a shot, yep. whether it works or not. And again, I mean, like, they'll try it once. If it doesn't work out, great. We'll move on. We'll, we, somebody else will have to. You did fail. You eliminated something that didn't work. Yeah. And then, you, you know, we, we made enough of it so that if somebody really wanted it, they could see it for themselves. Yeah. And if there's enough popularity for it, we'll make more of it down the line. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that Doctor Who kind of does that as well. They do... Lots of different stories that have, again, for me, what's always been kind of fun about anime is that there's a lot of stories in concepts in anime that get talked about, but you never see done here in the West. And what I liked about Doctor Who was that you got to see some of those stories and thoughts, you know, like, again, I mean, like, I mean, the story about, oh, hey, what would happen if a time traveler went back, went to go back to see Rosa Parks, what would they think, you know, like. It's not an original concept on any bigger level, but it's done really well. It's done really well. And this is where I could see it being a children's program. Yeah. When it dealt with histor- historical people, um, you could see where it would appeal to... It's a younger audience in a lot of cases. Yeah. Or I mean, and, and I don't mean a, a five, six, seven. I mean a, a, a 11, ten, yeah. 11, 10, 12, maybe yeah. early teens, certainly. Yeah. Because, again, I mean, like, you would learn some history, but you'd be kind of hooked on some of the actual sort of elements. And to see these people portrayed as people. Yeah, and again, I like the more complex the person, the better I like him. I, the more I'm interested in the show yeah. as well. I mean, like, I, especially with the doctor, as he's, he's portrayed as this jovial, very sort of happy-go-lucky kind, kind of guy, of, that's kind of snarky, like, bit of a little snark. bit snarky because he knows too much. But he's very much kind of well, this and guy's... everybody and and everybody really important knows him. Yeah, like the king does not freak out. No, at the fact of of who he is. 
No, he understands and accepts. When he's with uh, Van Gogh, he keeps talking about how he was with Monet and Leonardo and Picasso yeah. and trying to tell him like, oh, hey, yeah, no, I remember when they were doing this and when they were doing that and this famous person and that famous artist, you know, so forth. And he's, he's and it's like, and again, that's, again, he's been married to like Queen Elizabeth at one point too. Um, I think it's the 11th doctor that does that. Interesting. Cause she actually never married. Huh? She never married. She's a virgin queen. I know. Go figure. That's where you get, get the name Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh yeah, again, I, I, I like Doctor Who because again, it, it's it feels like it's tackling tackling different issues, um, and they're nice because again they're they're in forty five minute chunks. You don't like this week's episode, okay? Move on to the next one, and you get yeah. You haven't invested a whole lot of time. It's you not, haven't invested too not, much. It's time. not a three hour movie, um, and you get a new you kind of get a new story every single time. Yeah, um, it's never the same. Again, the Doctor's always there because something's happening. Yeah. And that he has to fix and along himself, but you get interesting story kind of along the way that do kind of tackle some interesting ideas along the way too, and that's what I appreciate the most about Doctor Who because I think it can only help us by tackling more ideas in the future. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So, um, so yeah, that was Doctor Who. I'd watch more of it. I would as well. Perfect. Alrighty. Um, so you can find we're gonna have all the show notes here as well from last week and this week as well. I'll put a little blurb in there about. Uh, Clara as well okay um, because I think she's important enough we should probably I should speak a little bit more about her okay um, but we'll have that all available on our website at nerdtutorialpodcast.com we do continue the discussion on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast and then if you have any ideas for future topics or episodes you can hit me up on twitter at nerd underscore tutorial where again we're also now following Doctor Who and other stuff that we've done in the past as well um and again, um, so next week we'll have a different topic. Uh, I think next week's topic will be very, very fast, but it will take us a while to get through because there's a lot. Okay. Um, but uh, I look forward to, we, look, we hope everyone stays safe. Bye.